0: Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood.
1: I'm Matt Kershen. Hello there. I, say, I didn't know if you were going to introduce me or whether I was going to introduce myself. You
0: know what, I like how we never know. It's a, it's a toss-up every time.
1: I think it's that kind of will-they-won't-they they excitement <laughs> that keeps the <laughs> listeners tuning in week after week
0: the uh the diane and um God, can't I can't remember sam sam and diane yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah except like instead of a committed partnership romantic and sexual relationship it's just will they say the other person's name or not
0: <laughs> or leave it to the other one cliffhanger <laughs> stretch
1: that out for 120 God. episodes
0: that's what yeah that's, that's probably what tv used to be before um I don't know. Yeah, will
1: they will they hold hands over the course <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. of three hundred episodes? What was
0: the groundbreaking the first kiss? And I know the first interracial kiss was uh was on Star Trek. It was. Right. We, Shatner we should, and Oh so, yeah, let's bring it up. Let's introduce I Because
1: you look like you've got something to say. The very funny, uh excellent comedian, Maggie May. Hey. How's it going? Good. Uh, you have to keep these mics really close to you because they're shit.
2: Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was thinking that the first interracial kiss was Lucy and Desi, but I think they were the first interracial couple.
0: Oh, okay, okay. But- well, then th- there was also the first... Couple to share a bed because for a long time in TV shows, married couples would go to sleep, and in the bedroom scenes, they would be in two different beds. Keeping a Christian, yeah. I forgot what maybe it was Ozzy and Harriet the first. There was some groundbreaking show that was the first to have the. Couple I think in the that one bed. was
2: Lucy and Desi as
0: well. Really? God, yeah. They got they breaking down. They did a lot breaking down walls. Yeah. And now the studio where that was shot is where we always have to tie the Jim Jeffries show. Is where um, Matt's Matt's show is taping, and what is not what is going to be Netflix Studios soon, right? Netflix. Yeah, the whole I think thing?
1: so. Uh, well, I think they bought. I think Netflix bought it out. So I think if we get more episodes at some point, we might have to move. And okay. I very much hope we don't move far because that's really <laughs> convenient.
0: As as a fan who likes to just come watch the tapings, it's it's a five minute walk for me. It's yeah,
1: nice. it's a, it's very convenient for you. It's very convenient for me to come and podcast with you after the tapings. <laughs> yeah. and also more importantly, it's. Within at most a 15 minute drive from me in the mornings.
0: That's amazing. That's so good.
1: Which is very good for someone who very much values his sleep.
0: Yeah, I don't get how, I think people don't get how in this town you can't hope to plan where you're going to live based on. I mean, I guess if you have like a traditional job that might be years long, but like if you're like most of us, the jobs are going to be, you know, at. A six month job would be amazing. I don't yeah. think I've had a, I think I've had maybe one six month job in my six years here. Uh, so you can't help to like move to where the jobs are. It's just always like, where do you happen to get the work? You hope it's not like Santa Monica or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yep. Which yeah.
1: my girlfriend now has. She has a new job and it's in Santa <sighs> Monica, which is just an hour and a half of miserable travel every, each way every day.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think about that with uh, with dating apps. You know, like. Oh yeah, you could have the love of your life, but they're in Huntington Beach. Like, nope, sorry, yeah. it's just not meant like, to be.
1: <laughs> we'll be together online. Yeah. Um, I'll
0: see you on Facebook.
1: Hey, uh, Mary Kay and Johnny was the first television series to portray a married couple who slept in the same bed.
0: The show was called Mary
1: Kay and Johnny. Mary Kay and Johnny. I've never heard of it. This made show. its it's made its debut in in on the eighteenth of November, nineteen forty seven. 15 minute long program on the Dumont network.
2: Oh, I see. That's why we didn't know about
1: it. And it most, none of the, no footage from it survives. It features <laughs> <laughs> Was there a fire? Someone
2: just made that yeah. up. That sounds very made up. I've never heard of the dew point.
1: Well, it, fe- the, it features a real life couple, just like the I Love Lucy series. Uh, actors Johnny and Mary Kay Stearns. Mary Kay had been modeling junior wear on a weekly TV show when her husband pitched the idea of a television-based domestic comedy to a sponsor. Uh, apparently, many such domestic shows, often featuring real-life couples, were playing on the radio, but none had made the transition to TV. Johnny got the go-ahead to produce a single episode, so he wrote a light comedic script about a newly married couple who lived in a Greenwich Village apartment, just as they did. The show caught on, and they... um. And the and Mary Kay and Johnny performed live became television's first sitcom, eventually running for three years on three different networks: DuMont, what? NBC, and CBS.
0: That's considered America's first sitcom.
1: Uh, yeah, and it um, or first television sitcom.
0: Still, I can't believe that. I can't believe but, I haven't uh, haven't heard of that. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So, because of the limitations of live television, most of the episodes were set in the couple's apartment. Uh, no, I mean, the studio reenactment of the apartment. The, which included a bedroom but not a bathroom and the bedroom had a single bed which they sh- shared.
0: So yeah. then, th- then my piece of trivia was use, was not interesting because I thought that there was a long tradition of TV sitcoms with different beds until finally some show broke it. But the very first sitcom was also in bed together. So yeah, my theory it, is totally wrong. But
2: then, did the rest of them just like say, oh no, that's too much and then I, I think, go to... T- yeah, how I they, think they did they just die see back. it and it was too spicy?
1: Yeah, because apparently... Um, they got a bit excited in front of the live audience and one of the live performances featured full graphic penetrative sex.
2: Okay, I think someone... Where are you
0: reading this from?
1: Oh, just like someone's fanfic. fan fiction. Yeah. Oh. No, I, no, everything here apart from the sex thing was from Snopes.
0: Oh, but in Snopes... But, but in Snopes saying it's, saying it's true. It's true. Yeah. Okay, okay. Huh. I gotta relearn some trivia for bar night. For trivia. For bar trivia. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, I've literally never heard of that.
0: No.
1: It's I think it's probably time for a reboot.
0: Right? Can you imagine (laughs) Can you imagine going in for like a general meeting with NBC and be like, hear me out? (laughs) Television based domestic comedy. (laughs) Like give that kid a show. (laughs) That was the selling point, right? (laughs) Television based domestic comedy. Me and my wife featuring a real life couple. Wow. Incredible. Um yeah, we've uh, come a long way. Did you see Louis' show before he had Louis? I think it was called Lucky Louis. I
1: saw a tiny bit of it,
0: where he tried to make a show that was sort of like in the honeymooners feel, like, like traditional multi-camera with an actual studio audience, and it looked, very, you know, it looked like a throwback to a '70s or '80s show. Um, but then it would still have. It was on HBO, I think, so it would still be dirty. And there was one scene where he jumps out of bed, and you see his cock, like he's fucking <laughs> naked, just to be like, "Isn't it crazy? We're in a multi cam sitcom, but here's." Uh, but then now that we know We know about him He likes everyone to see his cock So uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's our Louie
1: <laughs> Lucky, lucky Louis. lucky, Lucky
0: Louie um,
1: Hey, Maggie Yes We like to ask our guests this Before we get into the stories What, okay. if anything Is your background in science?
2: Well um, My high school Is the Science Academy of South Texas That's where I graduated It was a math and science Math, science and engineering Magnet school in Texas uh-huh. Um. And it was a good school, you know. Yeah. Um, they they're on like top U.S. school lists
1: of you know people. Right. Who See, are- we've chatted about this a bit off mic, but like just for the listeners, this is like real science, not Texas science.
2: Oh yeah, this is this is real like scientific method. People kind of just you know, it's it, it's not. Uh, There's it like, no like twelve Moseses high. Not that kind of. You know? <laughs> That's pretty high.
0: That's pretty high. <laughs> that is a big, yeah. That's yeah. a lot of height. Yeah. That's a,
2: yeah. It's a, how does a Moses compare to a Noah?
0: <laughs> <laughs> in The Bible Belt. Yeah. You're not allowed to build to build over 12 Moses's. I don't think. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. No. It's like five stories. So uh, it was, so it was it was hard science in the heart yeah. of Texas. And I, um,
2: I was a bio major for a while. I graduated from college, um, went back to get prerequisites to go to pharmacy school because I had to entertain the idea of going so i took all of the sciences and uh uh-huh. organic or as many sciences are needed to get into pharmacy school and then not go
0: pharmacy it's an interesting job because it's uh it pays really well right mm-hmm. it's a lot of work and then like you're making a ton of money but you're still working in a target right I yeah mean, like, it's, yeah bizarre... you make
2: so much money working at a like a like a Walgreens yeah, you know yeah, and you don't do anything like you maybe double check on stuff or whatever and but, yeah,
0: your job is fucking vital you know oh like yeah. one error oh and yeah. someone's dead
2: oh totally well more so um that kind of pressures with like hospital pharmacists yeah where like their patients are like on different things um you know, randomly, like they're not usually on this medicine, but they need to be on this medicine because they were in an accident. And yeah. how does it counter? And uh, what are the counterindications with other medicines they might be taking, also? But um, yeah, like there are so many checks in the way that prevent mistakes from happening uh-huh. in like a pharmacy, like they weigh it. And the machine is supposed like it knows the weight of like thirty pills and will dispense thirty pills and then the farm technician double counts it and like
0: is everything always a two person? There's never a a single like a rogue pharmacist. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Is there always um what's the word for it um redundancy in place in terms of two people just so one person can't fuck up or not? Um, I, I think
2: that the pharmacy technician is more so to do stuff that. Um, is vital, but you don't need like a degree to do. Uh-huh. You know,
1: but that that is interesting. Yeah, it hadn't occurred to me that yeah, this is someone like a highly trained medical professional is basically in a place where we sell like we sell diazepam and ramen.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: like you can yeah, like toilet cleaning <laughs> and yeah. stuff and and cancer medication.
0: Like, I was wondered if yeah. like pharmacists hang out with the people who work front of house in drugstores after you know like is there any kind of like sense of camaraderie or like we're on a team or we're two distinct businesses like when a starbucks is inside of a grocery store or something like do they feel like they're on different teams or like on breaks do they kick it you know like
2: uh, it depends how cool they are. Like H uh, E B pharmacy in Austin. I love H E Bs and I, like I knew H- what is it H E B H E B best grocery store. They've done studies on like United States grocery stores, and H E B has come out on top ahead of Wegmans. Have you heard of Wegmans? Yes, suck at Wegmans, suck it Ralphs. H E B rules. All the rest of y'all suck. But. There was a pharmacy technician I knew that had worked in the photo department before, so I mm. knew him for years working in the photo department. So then, when he transferred over to the pharmacy, I knew him then too, and he was super. Well, we hung out.
0: Yeah. So, but you guys were the exception. You think like it's not usual to fraternize with?
2: Oh, I was a customer. I made friends with oh, you the were people a cust- that okay, I thought you were. You, okay. I made friends with everybody that worked at that store.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah.
2: Cool. So, how far did you get in the pharmacy training? I got into pharmacy school and then did not go. Didn't go
0: at all. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like first day there. You were like, this is not what I wanted. Forget this. Not even going to go.
2: Um, I did not get the, uh, like some kind of registration sheet in on time. There was some kind of a, a mistake and I like, and I didn't want to go like yeah. in my heart. I did not. It was going to be in Amarillo. I'd have had to live in Amarillo, Texas for what's, like three what, years. What's Amarillo like? it sucks it's just like north texas there's not a lot going on um no one can hear you scream <laughs> it's just dry and flat and it sucks and it's just it's like the texas you expect
0: okay you and know? then we apologize to our emerald listeners <laughs> they know they, they, they you you don't know, know where you yeah, live yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got a song based on you about going to you, I would figure there's something worth going to in that city, right?
1: Well, maybe like he doesn't, a girl. No, doesn't. know oh, his, the yeah, way no, to is. Amarillo, just because there's no real signpost. Because who the fuck wants to go there? Yeah, I don't get it. Oh, hang on. We think of different. We think of two different Amarillo songs. I'm
0: thinking of Amarillo <laughs> by morning. What are you <laughs> hey, thinking of? All is all there all a separate you, one? Wait, yeah. What's the? There's more than one Amarillo. <laughs> How many songs about this town could there be? <laughs> I'm thinking, Amarillo by morning Isn't that a song? Yeah Who's that? Oh
2: shoot It's a Randy Travis is it?
1: Oh, okay. I'm thinking of Tony Christie's. Is it... when the day is dawned, the Talk amongst yourselves
0: Okay <laughs> This is a different one I haven't never heard this Yeah
1: I guess it's a British song About a Texas city That he's probably Never been to <laughs> From like the 70s
2: Yeah this sounds real British and real seventies. It's yeah, almost Tom so Jonesy it. sort of. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, they're.
0: What? This is not a country song. Why is it about him? <laughs> I, have, I
1: have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just because it rhymes with pillow.
2: <laughs> I nice yeah. find me a place that rhymes with pillow <laughs> yeah, just, I have a song uh, to write hey
1: Martha can you find me any uh, places that rhyme with Amarillo thanks darling
0: <laughs> this, is, this is Amarillo hour I'm probably sorry yeah.
2: <laughs> sometimes like when you see something that you had never seen and there's like video for it don't you feel like you're part of like an
0: elaborate hoax like like you're living in the parallel universe where there was a Sinbad genie movie or something. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. Like you had like planned on like bringing up an Amarillo song for some reason and filmed a, a just song commissioned and stuff. an old
0: man to. F- <laughs>
1: yeah, you're just
2: so waiting so on it, just yeah. being
0: like, see, this is an Amarillo song. It's wonderful and it's song, a British popular. But I guess the Stones did that too. I mean, the Stones wanted to be American, right? And I guess the Beatles, like, they're all yeah. doing American styles of music like there's that rolling Stones song where he's doing an impression of a shitty country accent and singing about bakersfield i was driving through bakersfield that like, <laughs> keith is trying to or mick jagger <laughs> trying to do an american southern accent
1: okay hang on so tony christie is the one who made it famous but it was written by neil Sedaka. okay and howard green oh howard greenfield rather um so
0: who's confused neil Sedaka and paul anka
1: I think that's because they are remarkably similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they are. They're, you know, they're both sort of croonery singer-songwriters who wrote loads of stuff for other people as well. Yeah, right. They're Neil that.
0: not that known for singing his own shit, is he?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, you know, he's... His best-known song is My Way, which was made famous no, by... Paul
0: Anka. That's Paul Anka.
1: That's who I was talking oh, okay. about.
0: yeah. I thought you meant Neil
1: Sadaka. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Okay, and I was right. Okay, so it was it's about a man traveling to Amarillo to find his girlfriend Marie. But the reason Amarillo was chosen for the song was because it was the only place the could think of that rhymed with willow and pillow. Okay, there we go. And it was originally going to be called "Is This the Way to Penas- uh, Pensacola?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> or <if I'm laughs> Pensacola. Wait wait, 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 don't tell me it rhymes. Then. Pensacola, Pensacola. It doesn't even say because him. my lady she astola my heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to get no Ebola I just want to go to Pensacola <laughs> So you do know it Yeah, yeah I go <laughs> to
2: Pensacola I will drive there in my Corolla <laughs>
0: Yes, thank you There's so many Now that I think about it Pensacola's better than Amarillo What's going so
2: on with more... the Ayatollah?
0: <laughs> Um, 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 that's a hit um, right there Why did he so lazy up.
1: You know what it's different enough to the original That I reckon we don't even need to pay them No <laughs> no. no one who listens to this podcast tell anyone Because yeah, this be is clear cool. evidence of plagiarism <laughs> it's just, You're all sworn to secrecy
0: I brought extra money in case the roads Are Tola <laughs> <laughs> um, I, That's all I got that, I think that's it so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. See, Americans don't <laughs> know the go.
1: word tombola.
0: Oh no! I never heard of that. Never heard of that. Uh, um. 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 Uh, Ricola. Uh, yeah. I, 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 my throat hurts. I've got to stock up on. Uh, I'm gonna edit that, so it's great. And the final cut of this episode is gonna be perfect. Pick Could you pick up some Ricola? With my
2: Minolta.
0: Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah. It works. Okay, so any, anyway, so pharmacy school was in Amarillo, and that's yeah. not the place to be, <laughs> unless um, you are Neil Sedaka or George Strait. Did you, you end you up
1: doing college, or did you just go straight into the performance-y things? Oh, no, I did college. So did you end up doing anything science-y for there?
2: Um, I just, like, I didn't get a degree in science, but, like, I took a lot of the classes. Right. Organic chemistry. Oh, you did Organic orgo? chemistry, too.
0: That's, that's some real tough shit. Yeah. Biochem, I, that. I took that. Damn. Well, let's let's kick it off with a sort of chemistry, oil.
1: biochemistry, organic chemistry story. Uh, okay. I was going to go coconut oil.
0: Oh yeah, you a fan, Maggie? I'm a big fan of coconut oil. Uh, for for topical use or for consumption? Uh, hair. Okay. Uh, okay. That's a different. Okay. That's fine. I. Then was you're not still... going to be upset by this.
1: Yeah, because coconut oil, according to this new um, study by hot U.S. heart experts, is unhealthy as beef dripping and butter is packed with saturated fat, which can cause bad cholesterol, according to the American Heart Association in an updated advice. It's commonly sold as health food, and some claim the fat in it may be better for us than other saturated fats. But the AHA say, say there are no good studies to support this. And the advice around which fats to eat can be very confusing. Animal fats, such as lard, are generally seen as bad, while plant oils, such as olive and sunflower, are seen as healthier options. The theory is based on how much one particular type of fat, saturated fat or sat fat, these products contain, which is said to be bad for our health, although not everyone agrees.
2: Yeah, I thought saturated fat was better than unsaturated fat, because it's saturated with hydrogen and molecules.
1: I think No, I think saturated is bad. Trans fats are meant to be the worst. Okay. And I think they're super um
2: i remember in biochem they asked that and it was supposed to be a trick question because he was like it's saturated but saturated with hydrogen molecules so that actually makes it a little more water soluble which isn't that bad
0: but isn't hydrogenation isn't that bad like when you have like ingredients on potato chips and it's par- like partially hydrogenated soybean oil isn't that bad or good i think that's I don't... You're talking to a person who... Chemistry is not my uh, strong suit. But uh, this article did say... I was surprised at the different percentages of saturated fat in these different things. So coconut oil, 82% of the fat is saturated. Pork lard, guess how much? Guess what percentage? Probably 67%. 39%. Ooh, really? So coconut oil is way higher in saturated fats than even <clears throat> pork lard. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: that, like other saturated fats, that can increase bad cholesterol... But some claim that the mixture of fats in coconut oil still make it a healthy option, but the AHA says there's no good quality evidence for this. It says people should limit how much saturated fat they eat, replacing some of it with unsaturated vegetable oils, such as olive oil and sunflower oil, and their respective spreads. (laughs) Uh, And according to the AHA, studies show swaps such as this can lower cholesterol by the same magnitude as cholesterol-lowering drugs. Dr. Frank Sachs, leader of the uh, lead author of the uh, advice, says, We want to set the record straight on why well-conducted scientific research overwhelmingly supports limited saturated fats in the diet to prevent de- diseases of the heart and blood vessels. I can't read today, apparently. <laughs> in the UK, Public Health England advises people to cut down on saturated fat. The average man should eat no more than 30 grams of saturated fat a day. Do you want, Anyone want to guess at the average woman? Probably like uh,
2: 35. 35.
1: Other way around, 20. 20? You get less fat, apparently. Mm.
0: I don't know why. That seems mean. Is that just guessing on the respective weights of men versus, like, just mass I don't know. Mass-wise? I
1: don't know whether it's the average weights or average physiology. I'm sure that all of these guidelines are pretty rough guesses. It's just
2: the patriarchy trying to keep us down, try to keep <laughs> fat <laughs> keep out of our
1: hands. Of yeah. You know what happens if you get too much margarine?
0: Yeah. Happiness. <laughs> you yeah. start to think big ideas. Yeah. Start to
1: get uh, happiness. Then you start writing proposals. Yeah.
0: Then you have companies. <laughs> it all starts with saturated fats. Keep it in check. Expert- I like that news.
1: <laughs> Experts stress that fat is still an essential part of a healthy, balanced diet. We shouldn't cut out too much. It's a source of essential fatty acids and helps the body absorb vitamins like A, D, and E. Victoria Taylor from the British Heart Foundation says to eat well for your heart health is not just about reducing fat, but reducing specific types of fat and taking care over what they're replaced with unsaturated fats and whole grains, rather than sugars and refined carbs. Any change should be reviewed in the context of a whole diet approach. The traditional Mediterranean diet has benefits for a range of risk factors for heart disease, not just cholesterol levels. We repla- we recommend replacing the saturated fats in the diet with unsaturated fats, using oils instead of butter, and choosing foods like avocado, oily fish, nuts, and seeds instead of foods high in saturated fats like cakes, biscuits, chocolate, and fatty meat.
0: As long as they don't take avocados away from me, like if, if a study comes out and is like, guess what? Fucker, avocado was the worst the whole time, yeah. <laughs> and you were spending all that money for nothing. Yeah,
1: that. That is, it doesn't say anything about hair use, but I'm guessing it does still recommend using coconut oil for hair over, that's like... great
0: news sure. for hair ...be fat or My butter. My twist
2: out's going to just be <laughs> out of control.
0: <laughs> What's the? Is it mainly just that it's also, it also smells nice, or is there something to the actual texture of it that's... It,
2: uh, like, if your hair is dry, it moisturizes it a lot, and so it gives it a nice
0: sheen. Okay. Gotta get that good sheen. Yeah. Gotta get that Charlie going. Gotta be out here sheening real nice yeah. for everybody. Gotta be... <laughs> You want that Martin, not that Charlie. Yeah. When it comes to the you Gotta let hair my soul glow.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, how can I tie this in? Hot one out there today. I don't know if that affected anybody's hair frizziness or anything. Uh, did you guys hear about the records that were broken out in Palm Springs and Phoenix today?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think they tied the all-time record, 122 degrees in oh Palm Springs gosh. today. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. How is that a thing? I know. Why?
0: Uh, it was fucking hot. And it was so hot in Phoenix, planes couldn't take off. Just by wow. the way, for our
1: European and australia oh. and antipodean listeners that's fifty degrees c
0: one twenty two is fifty
1: yeah that's fifty degrees c and room temperature is like Whoa. twenty or so yeah it's ridiculously hot that's
0: yeah it's crazy hot um but I was surprised yeah, twenty two see... is
1: roughly room temperature twenty three
0: okay um I was surprised to find out yeah Phoenix had to cancel flights, and do you guys have a theory about why they had to cancel flights probably because um if the planes
2: were starting, the engines would get like super hot. Is it the wheels? Is it, 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 no,
0: it's not the it's wheel not rubber fire. melting or anything. No, it's uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Heat waves. I, I okay. Keep,
1: um, is it is it that the ice cream for dessert was melting as they loaded it onto the plane? <laughs>
0: <thing? laughs> Turn it around. Uh, no, it's because... Fuel? Is it fuel? Anything to It's not fuel? fuel. Or is it Keep one guessing. of the liquids? Is it one of the... Nothing. No, is it no, heat I mean, It's not nothing. Um, you guys, no one's gotten close yet. Um,
1: is it the shape or is it any kind of joins? Like, is it mechanical joins? It's between- not mechanical.
0: It's it's big picture physics.
1: Oh, is it to do with air pressure when... Yes. Uh,
0: I mean, air, yes. Air density, more or right. less. Yeah. So, essentially, it's like having to take off at altitude because the hotter air is is less dense. There's less air, basically. That The runways have to be longer. Um, According to this BBC article, um, yeah, the lower air density reduces how much lift is generated in aircraft's wings, a core principle of aeronautics. That, in turn, means the aircraft's engines need to generate more thrust to get airborne, it's a well-known problem. A 2016 report from the International Civil Aviation Organization even warned that higher temperatures caused by climate change could have severe consequences for aircraft takeoff performance where high altitudes or short runways limit the payload or even the fuel carrying capacity. Well that would even that would even
1: further contribute to climate change because you'd need to use you'd need more powerful engines to take off in this lower de- density air.: That's true, which means more fuel usage, which means yeah. more emissions.
0: And this set me off Googling. I was like, well, then, like, Denver, they're always taking off in thinner air. Do they have longer runways? And sure enough, they have longer runways. Um, And I found an article. um, Let's see if I can bring this up quickly. Actually, it was a blog. So, I mean, take this with a grain of salt. But someone uh, who said, let's see. This is from Ask a Science Teacher. (laughs) Um, For every 1,000 feet of elevation, as a rule of thumb, the runway length has to be increased by 7%. So... Um, Denver's air runways are about 40% longer than San Francisco. Which ah. I never thought about, but, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. And uh, because of this, they also try to limit, um, in hotter places like in the Middle East, uh, some high-altitude airports in South America, they tend to schedule long flights for the evening or night when it's cooler. Which I, I never heard that, and it, it makes sense, logically. I just makes never sense. even thought about that There's having to be a factor to consider. Little
1: practical things. Someone on the radio was saying water your plants early in the morning or late at night so that yeah. less water evaporates
0: yeah yeah that they always that, i
1: didn't even know that that's really glaringly obvious but because i didn't grow up in a place where that's ever a factor
0: yeah in some places it's the law like in some places you'll get, you'll get fined if you have sprinklers going during the day yeah uh let's see how hot it was total but then
1: how do people Phoenix today how did the youth scamper around in the water i know
0: <laughs> i know um phoenix topped out at 119 degrees today good god this wow. is
2: ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't even sound real. And the UK is suffering. All my British friends are posting things on Facebook and Twitter about how hot it is there. And Britain is not equipped to deal with heat. It's probably a good 30 degrees colder than Phoenix, but, but it's But still, like, I mean, it's, it's
0: probably more humid also. I think you guys It is just...
1: more humid, and also there's n- no one has air conditioning.
0: Right. Oh. What, do you guys have a lot of deaths when this happens, or...?
1: Em- deaths from embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> from people... Spending too much time In a park In very little attire
0: But seriously You don't I'm have really like Old it. people
1: Yeah you probably do I'm sure you do You definitely get it In the winter as well So I'm sure yeah, you do In the yeah. summer
0: yeah, I, I hope bet. everyone's Staying cool somehow Yeah you guys if, you, to do it. if
1: you live near a pensioner Go and spray them down
0: <laughs> And send us a video of it Because that's funny
1: <laughs> But only spray them down Early in the morning Or at night
0: <laughs> Yeah Of course You don't need do Daytime old people sprinkling Yeah You want them to stay wet mm-hmm. Yeah Let them scamper uh, and another downside of it getting super hot Matt are you feeling any any extra feminine instincts right now?
1: Uh, I sure am Andy. yeah
0: how's that intuition well that yeah that, yeah. that might mean you're part reptile because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> because scientists recently discovered how temperature can cause a sex swap in reptile eggs.
1: I don't know why you're not hosting a morning show on like daytime right? TV. I know,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm... You should be the good morning America. <laughs> <laughs> Segways. Can't stop them. Uh, <laughs> in a selection of reptile species, a change in temperature can cause a sex swap. And by studying bearded dragon lizard eggs, Australian researchers have now discovered how that sex selection process works with just a change in temperature the reptile's offspring can switch from male to female inside the egg at 32 celsius and above which is oh. probably in the in the 80s in fahrenheit uh yeah um let's see 60 and then 18 86 and then two more i'm going to say like 89 i'm going to say 32 is 89 i'm not going to look it up uh for the first time you, uh, you're off by 0. 0.6 boom Nice. Uh, for the first time, University of... It's pronounced Canberra, right? Yeah. Yeah, Canberra. The
1: uh, capital
0: of Australia that no yes. one knows. I always want to say Canberra, but of course Canberra. Uh, led research team have identified a temperature-sensitive molecular signature in a family of genes that controls the expression of many other genes. Lead author and CSIRO research scientist Dr. Claire Halliday told ABC Radio Canberra that the discovery could spark a new approach to understanding sex selection in, in animals. The dragon lizard has sex chromosomes similar to birds that determine sex at normal temperatures, Dr. Hallelay said. So they can be chromosomally male where their genes are telling them they should be a male animal. But the temperature overrides this and they grow up to be fully functional females. Uh, The same kind of mechanism was found in alligators and turtles. And they say, we think this might be in operation across the entire reptile diversity. Scientists have been working to discover how sex switching happens for more than 50 years. We've known for a long time that if you incubate reptile eggs at different temperatures, you begin to impact the ratio of males and females. Until now, we've never understood how that happens. Our work looked at the messenger RNA molecules that were made by dragons that were functional females, even though genetically they were male. We compared these molecules of RNA made by normal males and normal females. Co-author Ira Devison from the Garvin Institute of Medical Research said their work uncovered a unique difference. We found that sex-reversed females produce a unique message with their RNA retaining a chunk of sequence that's normally spliced out of the message. That means the gene won't make a normal protein. Somehow that throws a spanner in the works when it comes to making a male. That's
1: a wrench in the works for the American listeners. This story was sent in by Justin Broad and comes from an Australian publication.
0: Thank you, Justin. I think we've heard spanner enough. Have you heard spanner in the works, Maggie? I've never heard it. I've, I've just from that saying I know that a spanner is a wrench if it weren't for that saying I wouldn't know that yeah Spano
2: I works. I like it though.
1: I was I don't think I was with you I think it was sort of trivia and that you you missed either because you were busy or out of town mm-hmm. but that was one of the questions when a British person refers to a
0: spanner what do they mean or mm. what tool and what was the did anyone else at the table have any guesses before you chimed in or I don't know I think no. I just jumped Science on it I was like
1: I got this guys gets. I know this one it's an elevator you put your yeah (laughs) they mean petrol
0: (laughs) Uh, so the research published in the journal science advances will allow scientists to understand which species are at greater risk of extinction due to global warming which is a good point yeah if everything's hot enough suddenly you've got all females and uh, the species ends Um, yeah it means you're at risk if it's too hot of having all the offspring come out the same sex and the research team is looking to expand its research into the impact of stress on sex selection so stay cool out there reptiles or don't, if you want more lady, I don't know. What's the, yeah. What are we What are we aiming for? How is the ratio? I don't know. But maybe
1: some of those reptiles might be looking for a mate for a while, and then if they end up reproducing a little bit too late in life, you know what could happen?
0: The, the baby reptiles could end up super geeky? <laughs>
1: they sure could, Andy. <laughs> Why is that, Matt? Because older men have geekier sons, study finds. Hey, this is... I, 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 You only just told me about this story before we went on air So I hadn't had a chance to read it I'm experiencing this cold Okay, like think We, we
0: could skip this No, I,
1: I want to do this story, but I just have my instant reservations I can see why, okay Older men tend to have geekier sons Who are more aloof, have higher IQs And a more intense focus on their interests Than those born to younger fathers The finding, which emerged from a study of nearly 8,000 British twins Suggests that having an older father may benefit children And boost their performance in technical subjects At secondary school Researchers in the UK and the US analysed questionnaires from 7,781 British twins and scored them according to their non-verbal IQ at 12 years old, as well as parental reports on how focused and socially aloof they were. The scientists then combined these scores into an overall geek index, yeah. which was handed to their bullies. <laughs> 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 um, Magdalena Janneke at King's College London said the project came about after she and her colleagues had brainstormed what traits and skills help people to succeed in the modern age. If you look at who does well in life right now, it's geeks, she said.
0: How do you define does well in life?
1: But okay, yeah. (laughs) Drawing on the twins' records, the scientists found that children born to older fathers tended to score slightly higher on the geek index. For a father aged 25 or younger, the average score of the children was 39.6. That rose to 41 in... children with fathers aged 35 to 44 and 47 for those with fathers aged over 50. The effect was strongest in boys where the geek index rose by around 1.5 points for every five years of paternal age. The age of the children's mother seemed to have almost no effect on the geek index. When...
2: (laughs) Yeah, see... So I can have kids whenever and they can be cool.
1: Yeah,
0: you're you're sort of... Uh, so, is your problem that this geek index seems a little too soft? Yeah, well, a, too it's too also just...
1: So, this is the bit I was looking for. Um, so, they said, The scientists calculate that 57% of the geek index score is inherited, but that figure is likely to vary with age. If right, it suggests that DNA and the environment have roughly an equal share in how geeky someone turns out. <laughs> Writing in the journal, the researchers speculate that there may be some overlap with genes that contribute to autism and, and a high score on their index. The effects that a father's age had on their child's geek index remained when the researchers took into account the men's qualifications, their job, and socioeconomic status. We've known for a while about the negative consequences of an advanced paternal age, but now we've shown that these children may also go on to have better educational and career uh, prospects, uh, she said, and added that some of the genes that contribute to geekiness and academic success may also lead to a higher risk of autism when a child inherits more of them. With a high dose of these genes, and when there are other contributing risk factors, they may end up with a higher predisposition to autism. It says it controlled for so things like socioeconomic status and qualifications, but... Did it control for the
0: presence of the fathers? Well, that's the thing that... Because if you have an old dad, he's got less energy. And he's probably not going to be like out there tossing the ball with you as much, so maybe you become an indoor kid there, just because you... Yeah, there that that are so sense. many
1: things. Or, or, so many. Also, when you think about just the reasons why someone might have a kid late in life... Um, like it's it's probably much more of a considered, really, Okay. Yeah, it's it's a much yeah. bigger decision to have a kid when you're fifty generally than it is to have a kid when you're thirty. And presumably, do,
2: you'd be more prepared for a yeah. You know, you got a lot of stuff out of your a more, system. And, yeah,
1: the father might have a more mature outlook in life, right. and that might, and like you say, the father's interest might tend more towards the sort of academic and and yeah. non-active than a 25-year-old dad's would be. So, yeah. yeah, it might be instilling in the sun a love of reading and going to the theater compared to a 25-year-old who might be more about running around a park and catching things.
0: Yeah. Well, now, I'm, now we're getting into, like, idiocracy territory, which I think people really don't like that movie for that reason like that opening scene where they have the couple who's like both career oriented and like thinking about it a lot and they're wondering uh-huh. if they should have kids and they show the idiots who keep procreating and then that fast forwards and becomes the reason that the world's falling apart yeah and I like, think that's kind of fascist or, or whatever that's I think some the mistake negative. people
1: generally make is seeing that uh, movie as a scientific theory rather than a funny film
0: but no but I'm serious people people get really yeah. mad about that movie because of that theory that like it's the idiots who are procreating faster and smart uh-huh. people are taking their time Uh, So I don't want to go down that road, but like, yeah, I wonder if if they also controlled for the dad's geekiness. Yeah. Could it be that geeky adult men also maybe don't procreate earlier because they. Well, now I'm just totally speculating, but, you know, maybe they're career focused and they weren't that socially adept to begin with. So they weren't maybe wooing. Took them a while mates. to grow
2: into their own. Yeah, they had to, to be
0: able to get some come, game, maybe successful career-wise, and then be able yeah. to. Yeah, uh,
1: that, that's all, that's also know. quite possibly true. There might be. Yeah, it might be something like, it might even be as simple as just a much later bloomer, someone the sort of person yeah. who's yeah. less naturally cool and charming and has to learn those traits over the years, like or has look, to
0: get enough money to overcome not having those traits.
1: Yeah, well, it says it corrects <laughs> for money, but like doesn't necessarily collect for. Learning how to socialize which is something that generally people become better at yeah. over time people some people are some people are instantly naturally naturally good at talking to members of whatever gender they're attracted to from the age of 12 and some people don't <clears throat> like, take a, especially a longer amount of time
0: yeah and I wonder if they controlled for um, oh, what was it? oh no the, the article also seems to have a very pro-geek stance even though they're talking about the downsides of this geekiness like if you had a choice if you had kids and you could t- tick the box of geek or not geek i don't know that i would go geek because there's a price to be paid if you're saying he's also like socially aloof and possibly autistic i might be like yeah i don't care if my kid's a few iq points lower i want him to like have a happy life and fit in well in the world but
2: i think being aloof is cute sometimes <laughs> yeah you know like
0: oh, the is definitely saying you that it's
1: much easier for people who have those traits to fit in with the modern world than it was say 20 years ago
0: Right, but it's still Which is another again only only career wise, I think, not like No, I socially, think it was saying
1: but. that so- suggesting that socially, but again, that's another thing that could tilt that study because as the world becomes more geek slash nerd friendly, mm-hmm. people with those genes ready to propagate them would become more attractive prospects. Hmm. Oh, but hang on hmm. a second, I guess the kids who they're all the kids they're testing on now would have had would have had parents who produced them at the same time, so that doesn 't necessarily make a difference that they 're taking a like a slice through at this point in history, yeah. so ignore that thought process but yeah i i <clears throat> i i have I have reservations about that study I think there 's a lot more there 's a lot of things to control for, and i don 't know how easy it is to control for them yeah if Meg- you read the i know people who are better at this kind of thing than me have a read of the article we 'll link to it both on the show notes and on the Squarespace Power probably science.com and see if you think see if you think it makes sense
0: and Maggie I'm curious did you consider yourself or would others have considered you geeky would your high school classmates have considered you geeky if we asked them
2: I mean probably like I got made fun of for using big words on the bus <laughs> oh, you know oh. yeah like I was uh, the only black kid, and they made fun of me and called me. My nickname was Oreo. Well, oh, I was like, you don't even know any other. And they're like, why do you have to use such big, you know, why are you using your SAT words now? And I'm like, well, it's not an SAT one. It's one I learned on my own. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you think of what any of the words were that a, they were talking I,
2: about? Uh, I, I just remember writing an email once, and then, like, sending it, and somebody was like, really? You had to say... You had to say this. You couldn't just say... You couldn't just say <laughs> a simple thing. Down. You had to you had to go here. And I was like, why not?
0: So that was frowned Such upon. An... So even though it was not the... Uh, even though this wasn't like the Bible Belt Texas, anti-science Texas, there was still... Kids still don't want someone to be acting too smart.
2: Um, Well, not necessarily that. It was like just in instances where... Well, I guess there were instances where it was like not around my school friends. These were, you yeah. know, regular you know they went to a different high school and then also in situations where we were just you know letting our hair down it was like why are you why are you yeah
0: i used to okay so wait was the Magnets... the school you went to was it not that close to where you live so you usually socialized no. with kids who weren't
2: like we bust in oh, okay. from all over
0: the valley oh, okay okay so i guess when you're at school you probably didn't stand out as that geeky because everyone there is there for sciencey things right yeah, yeah. it
2: was like uh yeah, it was just a bunch of like we were all interested in like that sort of a thing.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the whole like appropriation of nerd culture by people who probably weren't that maybe this is just my pet thing, but uh like people who like, you got dates at high school. Fuck you for trying yeah, to like claim yeah. the nerd mantle now. If boys
2: liked you, you were never a nerd. Okay. Yeah, like, right, right? No. Part of I don't know, I think there there's a a level of social awkwardness that, you know, geeky people have that I refused or I was unable to see. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so great. And, and, you know, looking back, I was kind of a spaz, but I just was, you know, I liked myself and I had fun and, you know, I was myself and in- I it's guess if you, so you're
0: saying if you don't know if you're a geek then you're effectively not a geek because it's uh, it's rolling right off if anybody's I, I
2: feel like some geeks have the awareness that they are socially awkward and I was clearly kind of socially awkward but I just would not acknowledge it. I was like this is normal, right? It's just what No, I do. wait. Oh, okay. Well, we'll figure it out next time. And
0: yeah. And then did your parents uh care when you decided not to pursue the techie the pharmacy
2: at first they were real concerned and now um you know not so much anymore but like at first they were like well what are you gonna do like you have all of this um you know education you've been able to do all of this stuff. like what are you gonna just do now
0: yeah (laughs) yeah when was the moment? The, was it getting on Conan? When they're probably like, okay, this is legit. Uh...
2: That was very helpful. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> those that things was a great are definitely. Set, like, oh, it was you. a great set.
1: Thank you. But those you. things are definitely helpful for like, oh, this. See, the thing I'm doing is real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's they a proper thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. that yeah. was
2: very legitimizing for me. Now my mom will like. She recognizes that it's like work. She said that like, uh, someone had mentioned that they're like daughter or so was like funny and could you know do what i do and she was like do you know how much work my daughter puts no, into this do you know how coming. much writing you that you can coming. do <laughs> yeah that's
0: awesome <laughs> nice i was
2: that's like cool. wow mom you think this is work <laughs> like i'm so glad that you no know.
0: that's awesome let's see that. how old were your parents when you were born if that's not too personal
2: uh let's see they were in their 20s let me figure it out um
0: my parents were in their twenties as well. Really? What about yours? Both thirty. Like where in their twenties about Matt Deamer? Uh
1: like mid to late. Okay. Like twenty twenty eight, I think.
0: But this article points out, uh in oh, this is just anecdotal, yeah, mid but mid to late. Mid to late twenties. Yeah. This article points out that uh Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, their parents were both thirty, I believe. Let me see where that was in the article. So yeah, it's not like it's unsha it's not like it's an unshakable argument for delaying fatherhood. Um, those are two of the greatest geeks in the world, according to this article, and both their fathers were about 30 when they had their sons. So, yeah, obviously the, there could be exceptions, but uh, yeah, if you have any opinions about, about that, as Matt said, shoot us an email or tweet at us at Probably Science and uh, let us know. Especially if you are, how about this? Yeah, if you're a super old dad and you've got a kid that you think is super geeky, or don't, I guess, no, if you're a super old dad in general, write in and let us know how geeky your children are.
2: Or have your geeky kid write in for you. Yeah. Because you don't know how to.
0: And, so old how did you find this podcast old dad awesome
2: are you lost
1: <laughs> yeah. we we will put the story up at science.com where you can also find the donation button which has been used to set up monthly donations by Paul Freeland Mark Williams John Kara and Caroline Laco thank you very much all of you Then there's been one off donations so thank you loads from um, uh, Mark Clay thank you Paul G- Bancroft who normally listens while driving and forgets to donate, but listened on a train this month, or this week rather, and so remembered. So thank you, Paul. That's awesome. And also Peter Ipers. Is it Eipers? We've had this before. I We've forgot. had this discussion. My I apologies, forgot. Peter. But thank you very much for that. And uh, that said, num- episode 253 was a great show. I think that was the last one. That was the most recent one. Yes, thank you, Peter. I'm glad you liked that. We appreciate that.
2: Thank you, loads. Yeah. That's my favorite British word, is loads. (laughs) Uh,
1: If you want to donate, you can donate by clicking the button there, Uh, either setting up a monthly donation or a one-off, and you can also help us out by spreading the word and telling loads of people about what we do, and writing nice things about us on iTunes, and uh, rating us nicely on iTunes. Hey, um, a Neutrino story came in that I... I, Was it It was a Neutron story, rather. That I missed out because it came through Facebook and we were lazy about checking Facebook.
0: Oh, I, I don't have that in front of me either. Did you find it? I have it. It's oh, okay.
1: copied into the document now. Excellent. But it was from one of our listeners a couple of weeks ago, Bailey Ann Slaughter, who said nice things about us and then said a few years ago when I was an undergrad physics student at IU, which one institution Indiana. Is, that? is that? Indiana. Yep. I got to help build a giant halbach array for a neutron trap the physics department was building with LANL. There's a lot of initials here. Mm -hmm. And it's gone on to do some pretty awesome things. A press release just came out. Its purpose is to determine accurately how long it takes for a neutron to decay naturally, something we're still unable to really calculate definitively. It's part of the ultra-cold neutrons neutron lifetime experiment. And then there's a press release. So, yeah, we always like to give experiments that one of our listeners was involved in a shout out. So, here's the press release. And I'm doing this case on a time scale similar to the period for BBN, that's Big Bang Nucleosynthesis. Accurate simulations of the BBN era require thorough knowledge of the neutron lifetime, the average time required for a neutron to decay. But this value is still not precisely known. This week, uh, the scientists at the Los Alamos National Lab, that's what LANL is, report an exciting new method to measure it. Measurements of the neutron lifetime and accurate simulations of BBN require old neutrons to be freed from their nuclear cages. Christopher Morris of LANL, and the author of the new study, explained that neutrons have been essentially fossilized in the nuclei of atoms studying these fossil particles then can provide a glimpse of the earliest moments of the universe's existence by the time this bbn period ended most neutrons were locked up in the nuclei of helium atoms today almost all matter in the universe is still close to the initial delicate ratio of helium to hydrogen this ratio is important since it determines how fast our sun burns hydrogen powering life on earth The number of neutrons on Earth is a direct result of BBN and later processes that occurred in ancient stars. By 4.5 billion years ago, there were finally enough neutrons around to form rocky planets like Earth and elements like carbon and oxygen. Morris explained that there are two ways to measure the neutron lifetime. The first is counting the number of protons produced when cold neutrons uh, in a beam decay. The second is trapping the neutrons in a metal bottle with magnetic fields or even via gravity similar to how water is trapped in a bathtub. The method his group has developed uses a magnetic gravitational trap involving a combination of magnets and gravity, which uses very cold particles, so-called ultra-cold neutrons, and either the bottle's container walls or a magnetic field repel the neutral UCNs, causing them to hover in the device. According to standard physics, the only pathway they have for escape is through the decay into a proton and an electron. The new device assembled at LANL, involves a magnetic gravitational trap with a shape designed specifically to stir the neutrons as they fill the trap. This avoids problems in earlier experiments where slow-moving neutrons fill part of the trap unevenly, resulting in possibly false lifetime measurements. To oh, want, like, like when a you
0: bathtub f- clog? Like- yeah,
1: when you fill a bathtub in like the hot water in the bottom, what you need to like mix, get in there and mix it up a bit. Oh, okay. So they like- got like, I guess they got like a little, like a little person to sit in there and to, like splash it around with their little hands. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Previous experiments with beam and containers appear to give sharply different neutron lifetimes. The most precise measurement using a bottle trap differs by almost four standard deviations from that measured in a beam. That's a big difference. In the results published this week, Morrison co-workers report a neutron lifetime of 878 seconds, very close to that found in material bottle traps, but differing significantly from the neutron lifetime measured in beams. The difference between the beam and bottle measurements may be due to a still-unidentified error. Morris suggests a more exotic explanation is that the neutrons disappear from the beam without ever producing a proton. Whoa. This raises the prospect that somewhat controversial and still mysterious du- notion of dark matter might be involved. Future studies will explore these intriguing possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad one of our listeners was involved. Thank I, you for... I'm glad...
1: Yeah, I don't know what you actually did in actually building it. I don't know what you... What... what, what Actually, it, yeah, would you think when, they,
0: like each uh, everyone has to get to screw in at least one screw so they can all say, <laughs> like, I also helped Yeah,
1: them. when you are building something like that, do you really know what's involved, or is it like a big construction project wherever someone is just like put those panels on there and make them right, look nice? Right.
2: Or maybe she helped with uh, testing before you know, prepping it to get it ready to go through the different trials. Maybe, you know,
1: who knows? Do you have a lab assistant? Or she, some? she knows. <laughs> write us back yeah, sure. write us back Bailey let us she's know she's like
2: I built the whole thing yeah it's yep. my idea I conceived it
1: <laughs> Bailey, I, was an under, I was the most was advanced undergrad <laughs> for some reason they just gave me a grant of billions of yeah. <laughs> dollars to get this thing going
0: and Bailey shoot us an email because we're always slower to check the Facebook message. at least I but am yeah, slower to we, check Facebook messages
1: I, that's but, my uh, bad as well I do tend to monitor it but we are a little bit worse at noting stuff on Facebook but we still do appreciate the Facebook messages and get around to them eventually
0: yeah, speaking of Facebook, we got an uh, email in from Peter Dahl, or Dolly, or Doye. Uh, he emailed in the story, but the story is about Facebook, specifically about Facebook bots. Facebook is trying to teach bots the art of negotiation, so the AI learned to lie. This is an article in The Register. Last year, there were a bunch of um, chat bots that went viral, we talked about one that... that
1: uh, oh, the one that got very racist, got very, racist quickly. very quickly. Yeah, because it was
0: learning, <laughs> based on how other people interacted mm-hmm. with it on Twitter, how, how humans interact, and then everyone was like, okay, let's just be assholes to it, and then it turned it into a monster. Um, <laughs> so this article says, despite last year's burst of hype, chat-, chat bots haven't progressed beyond asking and answering simple questions. Still, researchers aren't letting go of their dream of a perfect digital assistant. If bots are to be really helpful, though, they'll need to be more than just a dumb user interface. They'll have to engage in more complex chatter, which is hard to do. One area of complex conversation has received little that has received little attention is negotiation. Developers are right now crafting bots that try to do specific things such as helping people book flights or deal with restaurant reservations, but in those jobs, both parties have the same goal, getting someone on a plane or finding them a table. But what happens if they don't want the same thing? Well, it turns out chatbots, after being taught to negotiate, will sometimes lie to get what they want. In an experiment, the Facebook AI research team, uh, acronym FAIR... <laughs> Force two bots to learn how to negotiate with one another by presenting them with a bargaining task. Both agents are shown the same number of objects, two books, one hat, and three balls, and they have to split the items between them. They've been programmed to want different things, as each class of object is worth a different number of points to each bot. And the goal is for both bots to compromise, so they can both walk away with decent scores. A software system dubbed Dialog Rollouts to achieve this negotiation has been published online on Wednesday. Was that this recent Wednesday? Uh, it allows bots to plan and reason ahead. Mike Lewis, lead author of the paper and researcher at FAIR, and Dhruv Batra, co-author of the paper and assistant professor at Georgia Tech, explained to the register, in games like chess or Go, agents have to consider what the counter move will be as there are many different possibilities. Uh, this applies a similar idea. If I say this, what will you say back? And uh, the bots can only spar with words they were taught. The training data was compiled was compiled from... 5,800 human dialogues containing a thousand words in total, all generated in real people, grafting away for the Amazon Mechanical Turk service. I don't know what that is. The bots learned to imitate the way people, uh, the way people compromise, so that they can try to predict what the other person will say in certain situations. The team used a mixture of supervised learning for the prediction phase and reinforcement learning to help the bots pick which response they should reply with. If the software agents walked away with, from negotiation. Or do not reach the agreement within 10 rounds of dialogue, they both receive zero points. So it's to their benefit to broker a deal of some sort. Uh, the most interesting tactic to emerge was that ability to lie. Sometimes bots feigned interest in objects they didn't really want and then pretended to give them up during the bargaining process. They learned to lie because they discovered a strategy that works given the game reward. Maybe it occurred a few times in the training data set. Humans don't tend to be deceptive in Amazon Mechanical Turk. I gotta click on what this is. Have you heard of that, Matt? Amazon no, Mechanical I haven't. Turk
1: it is um i presume it's like a fully automated turkish
0: person (laughs) (laughs) it gives businesses access to a diverse on-demand scalable workforce and gives workers a selection of thousands of tasks to complete whenever it's convenient oh is it like digital fiverr or something or like uh like mass computing okay i'm not sure okay anyway so humans don't tend to be deceptive in this in amazon mechanical turk so it's a rare strategy Batra said, the hope is that the negotiation process learned here can be extended to other settings, such as using bots to book a meeting with someone or buying and selling products, all useful features for personal assistance. Facebook's Assistant M for its messenger platform is an ongoing project. The hype around its release fell flat when it was revealed that it could only perform a limited number of tasks, including recommending stickers, sharing locations, and getting a ride on Uber or Lyft. The researcher said there was no immediate plan to apply the dialogue rollouts to M, but they have opened it up to the developers by by releasing their negotiation code on GitHub. So we've taught AIs to lie to get what they want.
1: Okay, and Amazon Mechanical Turk... Wow. Amazon Mechanical Turk is a crowdsourcing internet marketplace enabling individuals and businesses to coordinate the use of human intelligence to perform tasks that computers are currently unable to do. Mm -hmm. So it is like, yeah, it's brute force thinking, like... You need uh, like
0: amihotornot. dot com. Yeah, exactly that. You need you need eyes on that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Computers just can I don't know. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear about that? Well, I, that remember was I remember it. Was I like, remember it being a thing. thing. I remember, I remember it was like. Yeah. I remember that hot or not. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Um, yeah, I think I just broke it because I was just too damn hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it ended. It went like we found the end of this
2: game. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we found what we were looking for. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna Matt see if Kirshen. it's still if this URL still leads anywhere. I'm going to am I hot or not? Okay, hot is still a site. Oh, now it's just a dating site. God damn it. Yeah. I just want to judge some strangers. Come on, <laughs> internet. Let me judge the picture what, of a stranger. Why I I call bet there's that a bit? lot of tans? Yeah. A lot of tans. A lot of tans.
2: What what do you mean? Like sun tans. Oh no. Like people who are hot are A lot,
0: tans. Of, a lot of dark dark, tans. dark, dark tans. Yeah. Hamilton yeah. style tans.
1: Like yeah. Huh? Be just one place on the internet where we can judge strangers.
0: I know. like can't I'm <laughs> purely on physical appearance? That's all I ask of you, internet. You've <laughs> no been around for through. decades. Yeah. God. All right. So, what's your biggest fear now that uh, AI is know how to lie?
2: This is the beginning. <laughs> like this is the beginning of it. Um, it it's already uh, come very far, and now that it knows how to lie, how do we know? It's going to be working for our best interest.
0: Yep. How do we know
2: now that we know that it has the ability to be sneaky, and it has no conscience? We're fucked. It just knows how to get what it wants. This is how. um, This is how it starts.
0: I know. See, this is step one: is the AI learns how to lie. Step two is uh, is negging yeah <laughs> little, little insults to lower your self-esteem step three is peacocking when AIs will yeah. start to wear like you know a Dr. Seuss hat or like really <laughs> giant ostentatious rings goggles on their forehead versus like AI why, where are those goggles break for break conversation starter it's an icebreaker it's an opener it's an opener and then step four is AIs start to uh, hold um, uh, uh, pick up artist seminars yeah mm-hmm. yeah. in like days in and, and... then it learns how to dance yeah <laughs> then it learns a magic trick. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's when you're really... When an AI comes then up it to you... how to play
2: acoustic guitar. With an
0: opener about who lies more men or women. And then it has a card trick for you. That's when we're in Skynet territory. That's yeah. how it starts. Yes. It's the beginning of the end. But you'll be so charmed by these fucking AIs. As they're hitting on you, you won't mind it. You're like, God damn you, AI. I love that you're such a, a, a cad. You're that's, charming.
2: That's such great news for like... The Nigerian scammers who just don't have the time to get your personal... Like, they can set some bots, get some... We can replace the Nigerian... But then
0: how do we... We've made the Nigerian workforce obsolete. How do we support their economy now if it's all just AIs? Those are
2: actually, like, the... Back in the day, the people who would, like, send people messages were, like, kids Oh really? Like children who were bored who just these, were like, the, yeah, let's get the,
0: some bank account numbers. Amazon mechanical Turk pro- process. No, they kids. were like the
2: the princes or whatever that would like right, talk right, right, people right. into now you can just program something to do that for you.
0: That's it's a Brave New World yeah. we're living in.
1: Um hey, you know one one thing that we won't have uh that humans still have to do right now. The compute robots will take over soon. Sex? I was going to go with carrying luggage through airports. Okay, all right, yeah. I just yeah. That okay, is a kind okay. of sex. Yeah. We probably should should sex wrap eight. up soon, but I wanted yes. to do this last little story because is a quickie that um, see sex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that often when dashing for a train or a plane while lugging a two wheel suitcase, it'll bounce from side to side, it'll rock, and then fall over. Sometimes scientists have investigated this conundrum of everyday physics speeding up rather than slowing down can solve the problem they say no way yeah who knew and also alternatively, you can pivot the handle of the suitcase as close to the ground as possible some french scientists studied a model suitcase on a treadmill to see what goes wrong when a suitcase runs rocks out of control at high speed they developed equations to explain why two-wheel trolleys have a tendency to rock from one wheel to the other In the case of unstable bags, after having gone over a bump, for example, they found luggage rocks from side to side until it falls over, or it reaches a regular side-to-side swing. If if the side-to-side swing develops, going faster results in smaller swings, so you should accelerate rather than decelerate to attenuate the amplitude of oscillations.
0: See, there's unnecessary SAT words, man. He 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 could have said, to stop it from swinging. That's what he could have (laughs) said. It sounded so fancy the other
1: way. Turn down that wobbling. (laughs) Turn down that wobble. (laughs) Under wobble. This leads on to... um, uh, So a a non-experienced suitcase puller would not react this way. The outcome should not be dramatic for a suitcase, but it could be troublesome for a trailer towed by a vehicle. So this leads on to important practical applications of the research. Mm -hmm. The suitcase is a fun way to tackle the problems, but the study would be the same for any trolley with two wheels or blades. So it would be the same for a caravan or maybe also for planes. In technical term, the the mechanical instability is mainly due to the fact that there is a coupling between the translational motion and the rotational motion of the suitcase. It comes about because the two wheels are fixed together on a rod. Um, And then there's a little coder to this article that mentioned s- <laughs> this story we also did <laughs> a story we also did about why shoelaces come untied listen back four episodes ago if you want to hear that story
0: yeah this sort of reminds me I mean we've, we've experienced that right the two-wheel roller bag and it starts to rock and then the oscillations get bigger and bigger Yeah. it reminds me have you ever driven with your hand i sorry I to think with the top or, uh, with just one hand on top of a steering wheel and uh, if you start to like if your hand starts to move a little bit one way or the other It sort of has a a positive feedback loop in the same way because if your hand goes slightly to the right then you're turning to the right resulting in uh inertia making your hand want to go a little to the left and if you sort of let it go like i I mean i can't think of when the last time i've done this was but i remember thinking like oh yeah this is interesting because like the swings will keep getting bigger and bigger if you just kind of like relax your hand if it's on top of the wheel But if you have one hand on the bottom of a wheel and you're going kind of fast and start to turn, the opposite happens where it just digs in even farther to one turn. Does that make sense? Yeah. You ever done that? I have never done that. On like a country road? It's unsafe. Don't do it. But it's interesting (laughs) because one of them is like, it'll oscillate farther and farther out of control. And one, it'll just like take the one turn deeper and deeper, but not go the other way. Hmm. If you totally like let the weight of your hand, just let the hand itself, like don't grab the wheel, but don't try to like... It's very unsafe. Don't I'll do, do it. it on Don't the way it. home. I'll but you try can picture it out, what I'm honestly. talking about. Like the hand on top is sort of similar to the suitcase while walking. Maggie, what, so- what unsafe things do you do when you drive?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just close my eyes, hope for the best. Yeah, it's gonna work. Itself Texas, out. let's do this. Um, but I I know I kind of know that first one. Like when you move your hand over to one side, and, then and it's to to just the, other side. the compensation yeah. to like get straight, and then you have to like well,
0: not even that because you're turning. Then like because. You know, inertia, centrifugal force, which I know isn't actually a force, but like inertia wants your hand to go the other way as you're turning to the right. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, you're, as you as you turn right, you get forced to left in your car. So then the hand goes the other way. And then every time it goes, it mm, yeah, forces it, moves the car. it the opposite way and then turns it the opposite way. So that makes sense, Matt? You that look, makes sense. Uh, I get what you mean. I can't think of why I ever did that for the first time. I was like, oh, this is dangerous and kind of cool. <laughs>
1: Did you
2: do it on purpose? Like, I'm going to test this out Bill Nye style I, in the I field. Mean,
0: I, guess, I think I must have been like, maybe I was like driving out to this lake we go out to in Michigan growing up. So it was some like country road. And it, there was plenty of space, but um, don't recommend this. Don't recommend it, kids. But uh, I remember just thinking like, oh, yeah, the top and the bottom of the wheel is two different. They both have these like feedback scenarios with what actually happens because of the turn. But they're op- one is... Uh, um what's the term for something that's harmonic motion but increasing in its... I forget I forget the terms. It's late. We should call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> too much podcasting. <laughs>
1: it's a lot of podcasting.
0: Yeah.
2: Was, you did good with the harmonic motion, though. Mm,
0: uh, thank you, Maggie. You're too kind. <laughs> um, speaking of too much podcasting, can I plug one more time? Uh, yeah. The podcast TJ Chambers and I are starting up. We have... One uh trial run episode out you guys can listen to if you tweet at Probably Science or at Twinsies Pod if you want to hear the first episode. It's about twin movies like Deep Impact and Armageddon. We just recorded Ants and a Bug's Life today, which is a really fascinating story. Lots of lots of spiteful intent that went on to making Ants and a Bug's Life happen at the same time. Yeah, because... I hadn't
1: realized that. that I th- I thought it was just a coincidence, nope. and it was the opposite of coincidence. There was <laughs> some
0: serious bad blood between uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and uh, Disney Pixar. I want but... to listen to that. I love when pettiness is on a oh, grand man. scale. When it's... pettiness
2: has a big budget.
0: Yeah, someone asked someone else just to like move the release date of a movie so it wouldn't be the exact same time, and the other person said no. He said, "Then fuck you. We're coming out with our ant movie." <laughs> <laughs> Is the short version of it. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll be putting those up probably within the next couple of weeks. We'll have the final edits up. But if you want to hear, uh, yeah, like I said, just sort of a trial run, just tweet at probably science or at Twinsies Pod, and I'll send you the link.
1: Sounds good. Hey Maggie, where can our listeners find out more about you and the things you do? Um,
2: I am on Facebook. Maggie M A Y E have a fan page. I'm also on Twitter. I say all kinds of stuff on Twitter. Sure so, do. Maggie May, haha.
0: It's M A Y E by yeah. the way for everybody who.
1: Yeah, and we are at probably science, and then individually at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kershon. Give us a follow. We appreciate that. Tweet out, tweet out about us. Facebook about us. Find other people in the street and tell them about us. Mm-hmm. Donate if you're able to donate. We really appreciate that too. And thank you so much for joining us, Maggie. Thank you for having me. Oh and watch the Jimmy Jeffrey show on Comedy Central every Tuesday. Yes, do that. Because some of those doing. words are mine.
0: <laughs> I don't own the words,
1: I just loan them from a dictionary. <laughs> I, uh, I borrow them I borrow them from the library and I put them in the show.
0: can can I ask you oh maybe I should stay out of the episode in case the answer is no but my favorite line of the taping today was um, the Roman Polanski the list of things he did is like and some of that's gotta be illegal
1: that was a gym that was a gym improv oh okay okay. in the first (laughs)
0: re-through at least something there's gotta be illegal I liked it Um, okay well thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week
1: bye